It's me, Dr. Z with JB. Today, we get into the many tactics used by a narcissist. Whether friends, family, coworker, or significant other, a narcissist behavior can be confusing and manipulative. In this episode, we discuss a common tactic known as financial abuse. We explore the patterns and red flags to look for, as well as strategies to help you navigate these complex situations. Stay tuned for part two. Hey! Oh, we got a fast. Okay. <laughs> Good evening, everybody. Welcome to uh, It's Me, uh, Dr. Z with JB. Uh, and if this is your first time with us, so glad that you joined us. Uh, we are here just to talk about uh, our mental health, specifically dealing with anxiety and depression and a lot of things that are around that. You may be asking yourself, well, what makes this JB uh, qualified to talk about any of this stuff? And, um, well, I, I have none. I'm a radio host with it. <laughs> That's that's why I'm here to basically ask a bunch of questions to Dr. Z to get the same type of information that you are here for as well. And if you're joining us on the podcast, God bless you. Thank you for subscribing. Really appreciate that. If you're on the live, uh, please do so uh, as fast as possible. Just go uh, search It's Me, uh, Dr. Z with JB uh, on all your podcast platforms. And this comes out you know, uh, if you miss anything during a live, that'll come out um, uh, usually the, the day right after. So we have uh, got a, a bunch of things to get into in this half hour as well in this session. Uh, first of all, Dr. Z, how are you doing? I see we both have big cups of coffee. So right on. Right I'm on. doing, yes, I'm, I'm doing great as long as I have my coffee. So. <laughs> um, and uh, tonight is another narcissistic topic, as I know we uh, tend to have a lot of those in our lives, whether that be a partner, uh, an in-law, a sister, a brother, uh, whatever it might be. Uh, but uh, dog, a cat, a dog, a cat. That's the worst narcissistic dogs in the worst world. ever. <laughs> um, but wherever you're dealing with, we like to kind of just shine light uh, on what those narcissistic tactics might look like, might sound like, might be uh, to help someone like you or someone you know that's in a situation like this. And again, that can get all complicated too, but we have done a lot of episodes on narcissism uh, themselves in terms of how they do affect our anxiety and more specifically our personality. Uh, so uh, feel free to go through all of our sessions that deal with narcissism. And specifically tonight, we're just gonna open those doors on the tactics in which those narcissists use in our lives a lot of the time. We've been through love bombing in previous episodes, devaluing and things like that. So we're just going to kind of open it up here, Dr. Z. And I think one of the, the best things to make everyone aware of is the financial abuse that does happen in narcissistic relationships. And how does that start to sound and look like if you know that someone's being financially abusive towards you in a relationship? Yeah. So this is one of those things that a lot of people don't know about. And while they may be aware that they're being emotionally abused, physically abused, even sexually abused, a lot of times they, they're not aware that they're also being financially abused. It's not discussed all that often kind of in the mainstream, right? It's not one of the things that we automatically think about, but it's, it's, it's very common. Um, and you don't really know that it's happening until you know that it's happening. So um, it's basically what it is, is the one of the ways in which a narcissist controls, manipulates, um, keeps the other person stuck in the cycle of toxic abuse, of narcissistic abuse, toxic behavior. 
Um, and, you know, as we know, there's very few things in this world that are um, very much aligned with control, right? Food is definitely one of them. Um, money, how we spend our money is another one. So there's, there's few things and, and money is one of those things that narcissists use as a very manipulative strategy and a tool to get what they want, to keep somebody in one place, to keep somebody acting a certain way and to get their needs met. So what it looks like is not the same in the beginning as it does towards, towards the end, right? So in the beginning, what you may see is something like, you don't have to work. Don't worry. So you don't need to work. I, I really want you home. You know, if, let's say this is the male narcissist, female non-narcissist, which again, yes, there are female narcissists. We've talked about that previous episode, but just for the sake of examples, I'm going to use male narcissist, female non-narcissist partner. And I, you know, I want you home with the kids. I don't want you working, right? Or even before they have children, let me take care of you. You don't need to worry about this stuff. You seem so stressed about your job. Just take a break. I got it. Don't worry about it. And, you know, that's in that love bombing stage. So why wouldn't you believe them? Everything sounds amazing and wonderful. This is just another one of those things. Um, you know, or things like, I will take charge of your student loans. Don't worry about it. I got it. I'll pay for your car. Don't worry about it. Put it in my name. I got it. The house, I will take charge of the mortgage payments. Transfer everything in my name. Don't even worry about it. I got it. And, you know, or a big one is when you start dating them, leave your job, come work for me. Oof. Or when you get married, leave your job, come work for me. We can be together all the time. We can have lunch together. We can wake up in the morning together, go home together. Come, come work with me. It'll be so nice. And that all sounds amazing in the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm trying to think back. Like if someone said to me like, oh, I'll pay your mortgage. I'll pay your car payments. <laughs> you know, just don't, don't work. I don't have kids. Well, just, just hang out. I mean, it's, you know, like kind of appealing. Um, so I get it. Right. And plus, you know, this person's telling you they love you and everything just feels really good. So it just kind of goes with that territory. Um, but what ends up happening is it, it becomes a very manipulative tool. So things like, um, even something like food shopping, you know, well, how much did you spend or having to ask for money, right. For an allowance. And, and listen, some marriages where there is not financial abuse work in that way, right? Like somebody doesn't, have a job where they're bringing home income, but they are very much taking care of the house and take care of the kids. And it's an understood agreement that every week this amount is going to be put in this account. And, and it's, it's, it's talked about. It's a shared idea. It's a compromise. And it's like a set plan. And if somebody doesn't like the plan, they bring it up, they discuss it, they revise it. This mm -hmm. is not that, right? This is you ask for an allowance. You ask permission, you ask permission to spend. You ask permission to buy things. You were told what you can and cannot do. You were told what you can and cannot buy. You were told what you're going to drive. You were told how frequently you're going to drive, how much money you can put in your car. And if you don't have any money left, let's say, oh, well. The other thing is you have no idea. A reason why a lot of women in particular don't leave initially is because they don't understand where their finances are. They don't know what they have. They don't know where it is. They don't know what their assets are, what investments they have, what stocks. They have no idea. And there's a reason for that. It's not because they, they're not smart enough to understand. It's not because they don't care to understand. Mm -hmm. It's because it's just never been a part of that dynamic. Now, again, if people are listening and saying, oh, God, I don't know where my investment, I don't know what the hell's going on. 
that doesn't mean they're a narcissist. All that means is that's just the roles that you've taken on in your relationship, in your marriage. Ask your spouse for the information. If they have a problem giving it to you, that's a red flag. But if they give it to you and you ask them to explain it to you, that's, that's different. You know, I mean, a lot of people don't know where their stuff is. They should, but, but let's face it, they don't. But they can find out and their partner's willing to help them. When you're dealing with a narcissist, it's very deliberate. They don't want you to know what they have and where it is, not just because they're trying to hide money from you, but because it's information that they can hold over you. It's information. They're the keeper of information. The less you know, the more they can control you. They can lie about it. They can make you feel guilty about it. They can tell you you're going broke because you spent X, Y, and Z when really that's not the case, but you wouldn't know that because you don't have, you don't even have a way to get into your savings account or your checking account. Um, when in most of the cases, yeah, okay. like if that it does end up in marriage, would most of those narcissists try the prenup or enforce a prenup before that happens? Or is that just kind of random? No, I, I mean, I think that's based on a lot of variables. I'm sure some narcissists would as not because it makes financial sense and you should have mm -hmm. one because it's the smarter thing to do because you never know what's going to happen. But they could also do it as a means to control you. Um, there's a lot of ways, or they may not do it because again, in the love bombing stage, you know, they may say, Oh, you know, everything that's mine is yours and yours is mine, you know, and they may kind of use that approach with it. So I, I don't really have a good answer for that. I think there's a lot of variables with that, depending on how much money you have going into the marriage, what the other person has, the other, the, the non-narcissistic partner has, has more money. They're not going to push for a prenup no. <laughs> on purpose, you know? So I think it really just. Um, but if they have one, I'm not saying they're, they're doing it because they're not doing it because they don't want to be smart about their money. I think that's part of it, but there's always some other added benefit to it for sure. Yeah. And this stuff really becomes an issue when a partner wants to leave the relationship Big time. because they have no earning potential. They haven't worked in 20, 30 years, but then what you have is you have the narcissist say, I'm not paying you anything. You went to law school. Doesn't matter. I didn't let you work for 30 years. Yep. But now you're going to take the bar again and you're going to go out in the workforce at 50 years old. You better start making money as an attorney. And you're like, looking around, I raised the kids for, you know, 18 years. I, you know, I, I've never, I haven't worked in 20, 30 years. And now, you know what I'm saying? So they really kind of, and I'm not saying the person shouldn't work. I don't mean, I don't mean that. I just mean that it's used in a way that is very, very sneaky and very manipulative. Um, well, yeah, in, in true narcissist form, I mean, they don't believe, they believe they're doing the bulk of the work because they're just at work. They're at their job. They're in their own little bubble. And it's their money. They're entitled to it. It's, yeah. Completely. They care. The only way they're making that money is someone raising their children, right? That's right. And, and keep in mind, because they're the ones that worked, they gave this other person that life. And so they don't owe them anything else. Mm -hmm. They gave them a life where they didn't have to work. They could just stay home. Now, I don't know about you, but my kids were home because of COVID mm -hmm. for what, last month for 14 days? Mm -mm. No. If I was a stay-at-home mom for 30 years <laughs> and, and I was told to go back to work, <laughs> like, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh -uh. So, you know, I think that um, it, it, 
it gets so um it gets it gets so murky and it gets so ugly and so dirty and and it never occurs to the person that this other person would not take care of them or not take care of their children when in reality if they're no longer with them they have no use for them why the hell should they pay them any money any money mm-hmm. there is none right they don't it doesn't benefit them if anything it, it it's it's hurting them mm-hmm. um so they fight tooth and nail, and, and that really is the financial abuse. And so one of the biggest reasons why women don't leave, because they have no earning potential. They haven't worked in God knows how long. And even if they do work, mm-hmm. the money that they make, they don't necessarily see because the other person takes total control over it, and they don't, they don't see that the money. They don't know where it goes, right? So there's a lot of variations on financial abuse. But the bottom line is it is a significant way to gain control of the other person, to keep them stuck, to keep them in line with what you want them to do. It's a power differential. It's, it's a very much a power move, a manipulative strategy. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, it, like, I have a very dear friend that, that – you know, went through some of this, it's almost like you're telling her story. Like she was a paralegal. They did stop her from, you know, going to mountain like, ah, oh, don't, don't, don't bother with that. Like, you don't want to hustle and bustle or running around. Right. Right. That's still like a bit And even, you know, fast forward 10, 15 years later, not only does she feel like she missed out on an opportunity, but it's also like, she's scared to approach it again, just because of the back and forth of what that created yes. relationship in the first place. Correct. So very, yep. very, exactly. very, and when what are what are those things that like once we realize what has happened to us in these situations how can we as get ourselves out of that and find value again for ourselves when we're just yeah left on a desert island here yeah so you know i think when you start to realize that there is financial abuse and you re- and you recognize it for what it is not just a controlling spouse but when you recognize it for what it is that it's part of narcissistic abuse it's part of that cycle um, you're going to also be, be aware of a lot of other things as well. It's not like you just notice the financial abuse. Like that's part of that awareness, right? We talk about once you see it, you can't unsee it. So it's part of just a larger picture of awareness that you're going to start to have. And so I tell women and men too who, who want to start to leave the relationship, if you can and you can do it safely, if you need a friend to do it for you or whatever, anybody, family member, start to set some money aside if you can safely in small increments so that maybe it goes unnoticed or whatever the case may be, borrow money from somebody who you trust, just Mm -hmm. so you have a little bit of extra so that you do feel like you have some financial backing. Um, But even if you can't do that, um, you know, try to figure out who you could stay with safely, right? You always want to make sure you're safe first, who you could stay with, who would let you stay for free, Um, you know, there's a lot of resources out there as far as help with food, help with clothes, things like that, you know, children and and like services. So there's a lot of services out there. Just people don't even, they don't really know what to, what to do. Um, but there are a lot of resources out there. And this is when I tell people, even though you may have been isolated from your friends and family for so long, I guarantee you that if you reached out to them to tell them that you're leaving and you need support in whatever way that looks like they're going to be extremely happy because chances are they miss you. They're scared shitless and they don't like the situation that you're in. Great question from Java queen. Cause in the, in the live here, something that I ask myself 
a lot is why do narcissists fight for custody when they aren't willing to spend the money on their children to provide for them? Yes! Excellent question. Wake up. This is, this is, this is. Excellent question. I'm dealing with this now, so please. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> why do they fight for custody? So we know that everything that narcissists do, right, is for their image you know, to look good to society, right? It's why they get married in the first place, right? To look good, to look stable. People with families tend to just, even though this is clearly not the case, but people we know, you know, who are married, who have kids, <laughs> our society like looks at them as more stable. <laughs> so, right. So, um, you know, get kind of, it's like it's like if you're not married and you don't have kids and you're 55, like what's wrong with them? You know, nothing is wrong with you. But society still sometimes kind of hangs their hat on that old perception, you know, perception thing. So there's that aspect of it. But why do they fight for custody? Because imagine how bad they would look in court, in front of attorneys, mediators, family members, friends, if they didn't fight tooth and nail for custody. Mm -hmm. They don't want the custody. They just want to look like they're fighting for it. They want to make you look bad. They want to drag your name through the mud. They want to make you look like a bad parent. And they want to look like they're fighting because they want these kids and they love these kids. And then when the custody, let's say it's 50-50, right? Let's say it's 50-50. The fight is over, right? The fight's over. They don't give a shit now. And they not only that, but they don't, they don't, it is very sad, but, you know, male narcissists view kids as in the way. They view them as in the way of their career, in the way of their dating, in the way of their social life, in the way of finances. They're just in the way, right? Yeah. Whereas female narcissists, we talked about this last time, tend to view their kids as extensions of them, right? They try to mold and shape them into what they want them to be and what they expect them to be. So it's very common for men, unfortunately, who are narcissists, to fight tooth and nail. But it really, it's to upset the other partner, the ex-partner. It's to make them feel like they're going crazy, make them question their parenting. It's to, like I said, drag their name through the mud and make them just, I, I mean, I see this with my patients all the time. These are, these are, these are narcissists who, they, they don't, they don't want to parent their kids. And if they do have their kids, usually it's like they're their parents or the grandparents are there taking care of the kids, or they say they're sick. Can you switch weekends or whatever the case may be? Or they try to line it up with the person that they're dating and they only want to see the kids when the girlfriend has their kids. So that, it, And it's really just because they want to make the other person sad, angry, upset, because it's the only, unfortunately, once the money is set aside and now you're just dealing with custody, it's the only pawn left to use. It is the only tool left to use. And those poor children are, are used as, as pawns to get access to the other partner's emotions. But mm -hmm. why they fight in the beginning, it's partially that and partially also they would look horrible. What kind of parent doesn't fight for their kids unless they know and they have the insight and awareness. Let's say they have a drug or alcohol problem and they know they're not in good shape to take care of their children at that time. And they do the responsible thing until they're healthier. That's different. They, they don't want their kids. Mm -mm. And, and it's yeah. crazier because yeah. let's just say, okay, it is 50, 50. Good luck trying to get them to commit to 50. Correct. 
Correct. And that's kind Correct. of where be a lot more Count of Monte Cristo and just wait. You got to wait and choose the right exact spot and then bang where they have no more room to go in any that's corner. Right. And it might take three years, guys. It might Correct. Take, it might take 10, but just Correct. sit and collect information and collect information, Correct. which is the hardest thing for us to do because yep. all very emotional. Extreme. And they bank on that. They bank on you losing your cool. You know, they want you to get emotional so they can say, see, this is why I need more custody. They're not stable, right? It's, it's so, and the, here's, here's the issue. Well, one of the many issues. The courts do not recognize emotional abuse, financial abuse as abuse. In fact, unfortunately, many of my patients are told not to bring it up. It makes my blood boil. <laughs> so not only are they told stand more in these cases. How come what? They need to put you on the stand more in these cases. <laughs> they would if they don't acknowledge it. In some states, I will say there's a lot of resources out there and I follow a bunch of really good organizations that are pushing this, that are really kind of <laughs> there's one page I follow, like I'll tag it when I, when I do my stories where they flat out post a picture of a judge or an attorney, who they are, what they did, and why they are continuing to contribute to hide narcissistic abuse within the court system. Um, all it is is about, it ends up being about the money and the custody. Yep. And anything else that goes on, the manipulation, the tactics, the attorneys are not equipped to deal with that. And, you know, one of the things that a lot of these, these kind of organizations, grassroots organizations are doing is trying to educate attorneys, trying to educate mediators, judges on narcissistic abuse, because it very much plays into, you know, a, a lot of these cases, you know, the ones that actually get to trial, because a lot of these can be settled before that happens. But the ones that don't are usually the ones where there is one partner who is extremely difficult. Yeah. Um, they go through co-parenting counseling, which is a disaster. They go, I mean, it's a uh, so short answer. <laughs> why do they, why do they fight for custody so hard? Because they look good. That's yep. it. That's all. And, and it's a, uh, and you know, a couple of people in here chiming right back in Java queen saying, yeah, I lost a protective order because the female judge didn't consider it as abuse. Yes. That's what's gonna, especially if you've gone through the financial abuse of this already, they're going to have the upper hand to get, two or three lawyers if they wanted to to come in there and they were going to say the same thing. Or they hire a vocational expert to do an evaluation on their ex who hasn't worked a day in their life because they weren't allowed to because they didn't want them interacting with men. Mm -hmm. And now they have to do a vocational analysis because technically they're an attorney from 30 years ago and then say, nope, sorry, valuation here. She, she, she could make six figures next year. Mm. What? Who's going to watch yeah. the kids, right? It's, Who's going to pay not. for the child care? I mean, it's like so <laughs> mind boggling. Um, and it's infuriating because it doesn't get noticed in the courts. Mm -hmm. And it's so, it's so under the radar. So you have people coming in with these abuse stories, but they're not allowed to. Use. And the, the protection order that somebody talked about, attorneys, I have had. And 
I mean, I'm by no means an attorney, so I'm sure there are legal reasons, but I mean, if you're not safe, you're not safe, period, end of story. Like, period. <laughs> yeah, and, and the what that might sound like in a courtroom is, well, he might be an asshole, but that doesn't make him a bad father. Or Correct. What? And I'm going, uh, no. <laughs> right. You're right. An asshole, an asshole who, an asshole who cheated on you, an asshole who stole your money, an asshole who's an asshole could very well be an amazing father. But a narcissist who is abusive is never going to be a good father because a narcissist abuses their partner, sets the role model for their children, and doesn't care. Right. They may not outwardly show this, but in no way, shape, or form, and I'm putting this blanket statement out there, they are not good fathers. <laughs> their entire persona, their personality blocks them from being good parents because they don't have any type of connection or empathy for anybody. Mm -hmm. They're dangerous parents. And I'm starting to understand and hear the things when they are, you know, yes. like because of this one experience, now I know what those bad dads sound like essentially is because mm -hmm. it sounds ex much like Dr. Z was describing in that they're in the way. They always want like, the one solution if their kid is crying or if they're misbehaving yeah. or if they're doing this or they can't put their pants on right. It's There's always just a one-all cure and that's what you need to do and I don't have problems when I'm handling them or whatever. Correct. Going, Correct. Listen, you, you know? to co-parent with a narcissist <laughs> is one of the most hands-down stressful things I could possibly imagine. <laughs> the patients that I work with who have to co-parent with a narcissist, I mean... This is why I tell people, when you separate from a narcissist, if you have children, the trauma doesn't just end because the relationship ends. There's, there's a whole different type of trauma. Like, forget the trauma that you have to deal with going through the relationship, but now you have to deal with the co-parenting shit, which is a whole different situation, and that doesn't end. And so it's constant boundary setting until one day, hopefully, they just don't care anymore and just say bye. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, uh, another another good follow up from Java Queen is: What do you do if they have fifty percent custody? Do you do you wait for them to lose interest and try and claim more? Yes, unless yes. this is the only this is the only but I'll throw in, and Doctor Z, you can correct me at any time. Is if they're doing that to make sure you have more of your time used up, so you have less independence. I would be That's very right. aware of that for sure, and make Excellent sure that you enforce. The fifty-fifty, if you need the money, as opposed to taking that's more, right. is my two cents. That's yeah. right, because the le the the right, that's yes, I yeah, I don't even need to add anything. Yes, <laughs> that. yeah, don't hold is what I'm going to say, Java. Hold, hold. Do not take on more custody. That's exactly what they want you to do in most cases. Um, this is uh, very eye-opening uh, to me in, in in a lot of different ways. Um, and great advice as always, doctors. Is there anything else in financial abuse or custody of kids or this whole thing that we need to be more? I mean, aware? custody of kids is a whole different episode. Like yeah. we could talk all day about that co-parenting. <laughs> um, but but um, as far as financial abuse, I don't. My advice to people is this: is once you're in it, it's really hard to get out of it. So I kind of look at it from the standpoint of preventative medicine. Mm -hmm. If you are in a relationship, starting out in a relationship, and it seems too good to be true, 
and you are, you've worked your whole life. You enjoy working. Even if you hate your job, mm -hmm. don't stop earning income. Don't stop earning income, period. Because it's not even about the money. They don't want you to have any independence or autonomy outside of them. They can't control your job. They can't control your deadlines. They can help you miss them, though. But they can't control anything that's employment-related because it doesn't concern them. So by not working or by working for them, it's another way to, to gain access to you, to control you. So it's not even the money. It's, it's, it's viewed as a lack of control over you. So anything that keeps you autonomous to some extent, you never want to lose yourself. As good as the relationship is, the relationship will be that much better if you keep yourself relatively autonomous. That doesn't mean that you live separate lives, but you don't want to give yourself up. And I understand that the money part, like, you know, if you have a job, you hate it. You're making shit money for a job you hate. And like the sound of not having to go to this job in the morning is the most appealing thing for you Then get a different job. Take your time and find a different job, right? Like, Okay, they want to take care of you. All right, great. Still find a different job, right? Because you need that for so many reasons, not just financial. Um, so in addition to never, don't have to, let's say you decide that you're going to stay home and raise the kids. And you know that, right? And that is something that you guys have decided early on. It wasn't sprung upon you. You knew that. If that's your plan, while you're working, you set money aside in another account. Just set the money aside a little bit, a little bit. You're not hiding anything from anyone. You're just setting your own money aside. They you're can use it for whatever they want. You. <laughs> yes, you're doing something for, right. Yeah, and so yeah. this way, if after you have the kids and they don't want you to work, you know, this was something that was decided upon before. So you kind of have that leverage a little bit. But if they change their mind and they're narcissists and they demand you don't work, you do have that money saved. Right. It's, so, so there's ways around this, but really it has to do with education ahead of time because once you're in it, it's really tough to navigate your way out. So I, I like doing this kind of as preventative medicine almost. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and speaking of that, in terms of if you're ever worried about like, well, shit, I don't want financial statements showing up out of the blue or anything like that. There are so many, I'm going to call them cloud banks now. Like yes. Even if it's just Venmo, even if it's just correct, they all have routing numbers and account numbers. Chime is another good one that that you can, and it's all just internal on your phone. No one has to have any access to it. That's right. And having that type of checking or savings account and 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 doing that checking it off. Whether you in, right. you're investing a little bit at a time and it slowly goes into the account, your part time job. Just like there's a lot of different things I think you can do. Something. It's something. Yeah. So somebody just asked if we're saving this as a live. No, this is. Um, you guys are just lucky you get to see us live on Mondays, but this will be downloaded um, as session 32 or 30, 30, no, 30, 32 in, in, yep. um, uh, on Apple Podcasts. Um, so you can listen to it. Amazon and wherever else you get your podcasts. Absolutely. Okay. So if you miss anything in these lives, trust me, they will be there for you. And I see a lot of people reacting. Uh, different shout out to difficult conversations lab. This is such crucial information, and I, I agree. It's uh, one of the. It's so funny because we had three or four other pillars of this, and there's so much in financial abuse. And you called and, it. 
sounds that, but like, yeah, there's there's probably oh, still we, we could dive into for a half an hour. Yeah. So and probably will yeah. at some. Um, so uh, I'm gonna actually save the other two or three because I, I feel as though we could get into a lot more here. Uh, but that's where we'll stop our session tonight. And you again, just don't want to say that word. <laughs> and I don't want to say a word that I <laughs> five times during prep. So I'm gonna. I'm Give myself a week. <laughs> oh, 31. Oh, then we might be on 30. So this this might be 30 going on 31. So I, we apologize if the numbering is correct, but I will I will double check that. Um, thank you again to everyone that is listening on the podcast. And again, uh, I've endorsed Dr. Z many times. I will do so again as she has helped me tremendously in my journey towards managing my anxiety and depression. Uh, um, man, just, and you heard it right here. Like this is, part of part of the information you don't really get um, from anyone else, to be honest with you. I've, I've searched long and hard for info like this, and so glad Dr. Z is here. Uh, and uh, also, at the same time, if you want to go one-on-one with Dr. Z, and if you feel like you need that help, drjamiezuckerman.com. Uh, you can always follow uh, her, obviously, on Instagram. You're seeing it, Dr. Z underscore psychologist, uh, Dr. Z psychologist on Twitter. I am John Barchard, at John Barchard. Uh, again, just a guy that knows how to do a lot of podcasting and media stuff and has anxiety. And that is, that is why I'm here. I make sure our boat floats here, everybody. So uh, at John Barchard, my DMs are always open. If you want us to cover a topic that you haven't uh, heard or seen yet, absolutely. And Dr. Z, uh, anything uh, else before we close out here, other than to plug your excellent anxiety workbook, which is coming out in April? Yes. Why, thank you, John. Uh, <laughs> my anxiety workbook will be coming out mid-April. You can actually pre-order. <laughs> you can pre-order it on Amazon now. It's called Find Your Calm. Um, it's on Amazon, Target, but I know it's available for pre-order on Amazon. And John will link it to um, the podcast. But it is on my um, my Instagram page, my website, and I am now doing relationship coaching, um, one session consults. So um, feel free to contact me if you're interested. There's information on the website for that, and. John and I are going to start bringing guest experts or expert guests, guest experts, guest experts, yeah. um, on, guest experts, right? That sounds so weird on the podcast. <laughs> uh, and um, just to kind of get a different perspective uh, on things that John and I either don't know enough about, or just we think is really better explained by somebody else. So um, if you guys have any specific topics, other than narcissism, other than anxiety, things that we haven't spoken about, um, shoot us a DM, leave it in the comment section um, on the, what is it? What are they called? The rate, the app, the- Yo, in the- in the Reviews. In the, Thank yes, you. Absolutely. Wow, in fans a lot. Right, yeah. Leave us five say anything you want. That's always, that's always our right. rule. So we, we appreciate um, it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And oh, so we'll make sure that, um, that we get guests on, guest experts, expert guests on those topics. Uh, and i'll just uh, leave my two cents at the end here specifically with this episode it's something that um i think we all just need to to uh, to bunker down and and in this will end if you take the right steps this will end and those steps might look like a hundred miles in front of you when you're dealing with a narcissist if you're getting in there in the in the court system and you don't think that there's any ending there there definitely is Hang tight, hang tough, 
put up those boundaries as much as you possibly can. And remember, the game is to remain emotionless. And the, the moment that they get you into your feelings, you'll lose. You lose. So just remember, keep them in check. I taught you well, young Jedi. You, listen, this, <laughs> this is just Dr. Z coming in and out of everything. He's telling me. Yeah, so just hang in there. It does get better, even though it never looks like it does. Because, man, when you get that win and there's nothing that they can do, it's the most satisfying thing in the world. So uh, we will all keep you updated on things that you're doing, things that I'm doing, especially a big thank you to Dr. Z, as always, for ironing out all of this and making it a lot simple. So we'll see you next week, Dr. Z. Thank you so much. Oh, really quickly, somebody asked if we did a podcast last week. We did not. We skipped last week, so it will be tomorrow that we'll post it. So, yeah, yeah. that's correct. We skipped a week. Data, we so. did, and uh, we'll tell you why at some point in time, but I'm not ready to do that today. So <laughs> I, will, I will end it there, and thank you guys so much for tuning in. And uh, Dr. Z, as always, thank you, thank you, thank you for all Have the information. Good night. Bye-bye.